0: Coming up on this week's show, I break with our usual format and answer some of your online questions. I'll be chatting to Mark Settle from BBC Academy about some useful apps for mobile journalism and some tips on what to expect from iOS 14.
1: And finally, we'll announce the winners of our LumaFusion giveaway. All that and more on this week's Mobile Creator Podcast.
0: You're very welcome to episode 10 of the Mobile Creator Podcast. Now, later in the program, we'll announce the winners in our LumaFusion giveaway. But before that, the very first time I met my next guest was at a conference in London where, just after I'd spoken and come off stage, he politely called me aside and pointed out a mistake that I'd made about the positioning of the microphone on the iPhone 4S. I tweeted my mistake, I credited him for it, and I've been apologizing for it ever since. Uh, When Apple coined the phrase, there's an app for that, they probably had this man in mind. Mark Settle is one of the mobile journalism trainers for the BBC Academy, and he joins me now. Mark, how are you?
2: I'm very well, Glyn. Lovely to see you and your lustrous beard and hair.
0: Yeah, this is, this is my COVID quiff, I'm calling it. I was trying to get a hashtag trending on the premise of people sharing their hairdos. You got a haircut since I saw you last, though, didn't you?
2: Yes, it was my wife and a pair of scissors. It didn't go well, as you can see, but you know, oh, really? luckily this is only audio, so people won't tell. Oh well, you know, all seven people do watch the YouTube video every week. So a video can, version. Oh there God. is. I wish I'd known. I would have put a time.
0: <laughs> anyway, yes, twenty. I'm. I'm trying to remember. Was it 2012, 2013? I remember
2: it was the iPhone 4s. I remember it that. was. It was, and I've barely mentioned that since because it's. It's just one of those things that I already knew how much you knew and so I reveled in the fact of being able to say actually there's something that you didn't know and what was really interesting was that you were actually quite flabbergasted you were astonished that all this time you'd been using the iPhone and you didn't actually know which microphone the sound was recorded with but don't worry even these days when I do the training with people they still don't know which microphone the iPhone records the sound with when it's doing video so Even seven, eight years later, it's still an issue for people when they're trying to learn how to use their phones better. But at least
0: Apple moved it from up on the top of the Switch side to the actual side of the camera. That was
2: a yes, big... Yes, that did make more sense. And of course, with some third-party apps now, you can actually choose which microphone to use, which can be really, very handy, because I was recently on Brighton Beach, where it was very, very windy, and I swapped using um, the BBC's internal app to use the bottom microphone, used a face mask over the uh, microphone on the bottom. The audio was absolutely fantastic, when otherwise it was just completely inaudible. So, you know, it's actually quite useful that he's got all these different microphones now
0: clever hat. quick hat tip to one of our sponsors you know filmic pro allows you to do that too probably need to get that little chip in there but anyway tell me look loads of people um will have heard you speak i think you, i could be wrong but have you spoken at every iteration of mojo fest and mojo- i'm
2: afraid i have there was one that i very nearly didn't make because my second child had only just been born she was about sort of four or five weeks old and much to my surprise at very last minute notice my wife let me disappear for 48 hours, and I came on stage, did my usual thing for 20 minutes, and then collapsed in the corner because I was so tired because of my child. But yes, I have been lucky enough, thank you very much for uh, thinking I'm worthy enough of being a speaker at all five events.
0: Now, well, I'm not going to blow hot wind up your derriere now, but to be fair, every single year, if you just follow either the commentary within the conference app or on Twitter, your session's always the one that people rave about because, you you know, there's so much bloody information squeezed into 20 minutes. There's no <laughs> yeah, room to yeah,
2: but it's one of those things. I can go sort of very thin about a lot of things, but you ask me to go deeply, if you pardon the expression, into anything in particular. There comes a point where I go, yeah, I don't actually know quite what this app could do in all of its aspects, because yeah, I mean, this is the trouble. Being the sort of the, the king of all the apps rather than the depth of all the apps, it's very difficult to keep across what they all do in every iteration because every time a new app, uh, update comes out, it's hard to keep across that. So, yes, yeah, so there are benefits about learning. I heard the phrase pick, stick, and dig, which is you know, find half a dozen apps, get really, really good at them, and really know them inside out rather than being across 200, which each do a little thing and then they might change or they stop working and then there can be problems.
0: But, you know, the flip side of that, I completely agree with you. And I think a lot of the people that I would potentially train, like you, um, I would encourage them to try and actually focus just on a, a small handful of, of very, very useful apps. But where your unique niche is, if, if you will permit me to say, is that when people oh, say to me... unique niche. It, yeah, but people say to me, oh, is there an app that can do X? And my stock answer on training courses, no matter where in the world I am, although recently not very far, is uh, I, I have no idea, but I know a man who does. And, and that would yeah. be you. And that's the beauty of it. That um, if people do follow you on Twitter, and we'll get to your, you know, where they can reach out to you and everything towards the end of the interview. But if they do follow you, you are a perpetual font of knowledge of new apps and discoveries. And what do you use the thing? Claxon.
2: Yes, yeah. it used to be app Klaxon, Although, to be perfectly honest with you, there haven't been quite as many in recent weeks and months that have made me go, "Oh, that's interesting. That's new. That's you know, caught my attention." Whether that's we've reached peak app or whether people are waiting for iOS 14 to come out, which has got some interesting bells and whistles on top of what it can do already. But there've been very few one. I've got all oh, that is filling a hole. or That's doing something different. So yeah, you know, it has been something I've really enjoyed doing. I'm not saying I'm going to stop doing it, but there hasn't been that many occasions when I've gone, this has stopped me in my tracks in terms of it's doing something new and different.
0: Mm, interesting. And um,
2: what people may not
0: know about you, is a little bit of the background. like So every year, because we do the intro at the conference and everything, it's all very much about the here and now. Here he is, mobile journalism trainer, BBC Academy. By the way, BBC Academy, for those who don't know, tiny explanation.
2: The BBC, the BBC is a broadcast. Oh no, sorry, But the BBC Academy. The BBC Academy, Joker, is the training arm of the BBC. So it's where people go to retire once they've done proper work. Now, what it is is it takes um, editors and program executives who have been there and done that and then dispense and share their knowledge. They keep across how things change as well, but they take the the knowledge that they built up from years working at the BBC and then say, okay, this is how we do it, this is how you need to understand how to do it. Because there are many ways to do things, but equally there there are the BBC ways of doing things. So we've got editors of of programmes, we've got uh, presenters, all who have come off the treadmill, so to speak, and now do the training side of things.
1: Mm,
0: very good, okay. Your background was TV and radio, or tell us a bit yes, about the backstory. How did you get into journalism you. in the first place? Sorry. game? How did you get into journalism in the first place? Was this your calling? Is it in the family?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, from from about the age of I don't know eleven or twelve, I was really involved in radio. I became sort of a member of a, an advisory board for the London local radio independent radio stations. About the age of fourteen or fifteen, so every so often I get a day off school and I'd go up to um, I called uh, Globe House or something in central London, and I'd sort of sit around this table with all these executives in suits and ties. I was in a very ill-fitting suit and tie, giving sort of the youth perspective about LBC radio, uh, which was you know, at that time just for London. And so there was, the, there was that. I was you know, always listening to the radio. And then I, at university, I did politics and um, French, I can remember now, and did the student radio station there. I did loads of sort of um, helping shifts on local radio stations in and around the university area. And so it just seemed the natural progression when I realized I was no good at anything else to go and actually work for um, the BBC, which I've done ever since.
0: And how long is ever since?
2: three hundred and 12 years it feels like um it's 25 years now i recently got my 25 year bonus which um isn't worth uh, telling you much more about but yeah so it's literally been the only job i've ever done what i don't mean the only job i've ever done it's sort of the bbc has been my only ever in, apart from two weeks at sainsbury that doesn't really count but what it <laughs> means is different parts of the bbc so i have worked in local radio being a, a, a presenter a reporter a producer and an editor then i went to regional uh, television I was a reporter uh, in regional television I then went to Westminster I was a uh, presenter and uh, reporter and editor for programs there for like Today in Parliament I then went to Radio 4 and um, edited programs there and is that it that's that's sort of the basic summary but then I managed to escape and went to what then called the College of Journalism and is now called the BBC Academy where my main job is to show our journalists how to use their smartphones in one or two scenarios either you know, you want to use it and you plan ahead and you think about how you are going to use it or something happens and you have it with you because yes, you know, any footage is better than none, but if you're holding it portrait and the sounds terrible and uh, the lights awful, then that's not as good as you would expect from a BBC journalist. And so we try to raise their quality threshold. Whether we succeed is another matter entirely.
0: Well, yeah, auditing success now is always a challenge. I'd hate to even, I mean, I haven't trained anything like the amount of people internally in RT as you've trained in BBC, but I'd say of the 180 or 200 that I trained, oh, I'd hate to put percentages on the amount of people who are frequent users and competent users. But anyway,
2: try, right? I think for a lot of the BBC staff, it is the backup it is the emergency it, it is the fallback if the camera crew don't arrive or something doesn't work and at least they should know how to use their phones because let's be honest they all have them on them all the time but still despite the cutbacks and the resource pressures and everything else the bbc is moderately well resourced which means that for most circumstances for most big stories we will deploy crews we will deploy cameras to cover properly so to speak but there are many occasions where where the phone has really come into its own is as that second camera because deploying two cameras on a story is something even the bbc doesn't do that often unless it's a president or a chief executive of whatever but when you've got your broadcast camera plus you've got your iphone as the reverses on the reporter it enables you to get a combination of shots and angles that would otherwise be either impossible to get or time-consumingly problematic to get. You know, when I was a TV reporter and after the interview had finished, you had to say to the guest, would you mind if we sat here for another 20 minutes? Well, I nodded at you and then I asked some questions that probably relate to what I actually said earlier. And then you edit it together and it doesn't look great because it is so false. Yeah. If you can do it live, because the second camera of the iPhone is on the reporter, editing it, to get it together just looks so more natural. It, benefits the audience because they can see the reality of what's happening rather than this pastiche or this um, artifice that happens later on. Mm. And so I, th- I think it just serves everyone so much better.
0: Yeah, it's very sensible use of it. I mean, I-, I had that very brief fleeting involvement with BBC, whatever it is now, two years ago when they trained up, what was it, 15 of the ENG cameramen? Yeah. Yeah. Just to really put it through his paces. It's, it's I'll, I mean, I'll say it probably. It's a real pity that that report was never publicly published because there was some really really interesting findings in it. I mean, I had a glimpse of it, not the final version, but anyway. Um, Yes, we can't go there. It's still confidential and under wraps, but it was very interesting. Anyway, um, there was a piece on Twitter the other day quoted from your head of news, shared by John Williams, who's the head of news in RTE. And formerly of the BBC. And formerly of the BBC. um, Basically saying that the likelihood is that news will be an online-only service probably within 10 years. Thoughts?
2: Yeah, I, 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 I did see the tweet, I saw the headline, but for various reasons I didn't read any further into it. And so I didn't, I didn't see the full context of what they said. I was quite surprised to read that because taking broadcast news away from anything but online just seems, it seemed to go against the BBC's remit. I don't know. I I was just very surprised to see the headline, although I'm slightly reluctant to say too much more. Okay. Interesting. We won't go near Brexit. We'll just park that. We'll just gently push
0: that to the side and we'll move swiftly along. Um, So I'm going to put you on the spot for this one though, because every year you traditionally anyway, for the last few years, have gotten up on stage and taken the 20 minute speaking slot to do 20 apps. Is that right? 20 and 20? Is that what you've done? I've
2: done, I've done uh, twenty, yeah, twenty and twenty. I think my world record is seven hundred and two in forty-five minutes. That is a wind up, right? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, he But actually,
0: there's a tiny part of me that thinks he, prob- I think he probably would. would, I would. I'd like to do that. Like, there's a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, top ten favorite apps for mobile
2: journalism in one minute. Go. Okay, so. Uh, LumaFusion which I'm contractually obliged to say, Uh, Filmic Pro ditto, double take because it works really well and does something very different and a moderately new app called Focus Live which does the sort of the blurry background bokeh that uh, very few apps are able to do in terms of video filming as yet. Um, how many is that? That's four, I think. Um, you've been keeping count, right? Yeah. So that's that four, you're not hiding your thumb deliberately. Um, uh Ferrite for audio production, because it is just the most amazing app for proper, proper uh, audio mixing. Um, I love an app that is called uh, Wizible. It sounds a bit of a joke, but it's actually Wizible, which lets you put together an audio slideshow with a wave format. I've not seen any other apps that can do That kind of thing. Um, uh, Diptych for putting together some very good collages. There are very few apps that are uh, low cost that do that kind of thing. Diptych does it really, very well. Let's think of a good photo. <laughs> now you're putting me on the spot. Now you're putting me the I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. You couldn't believe it. Here we are. You got I'm to also, seven. I'm going to cheat. I know, I know, I know. But the trouble is when I'm broadcasting, it's fine. But when I'm sort of being put on the spot like this, it's absolutely ridiculous. And here we go. Right. Okay. So a couple of other different ones. Um, uh, yeah. Chartistic. So, putting together exactly that's one of the ones I've done in the past, so you weren't paying attention. Chartistic lets you make graphs and uh, pie charts and tables, it lets you display data. Um, because normally, putting anything graphical together on your phone is actually quite difficult. But literally, with this, you put the numbers in, it makes you a bar chart, and I think that's really very, very clever. Another one called VideoScribe, and VideoScribe. Uh, you put information into that like you you write text or you add a photo and it draws it So it's all in, a, in a visual way. It gets um, information across to you very nicely like that and One more he says frantically looking at his phone to see what else can come up with. that's come up uh, Let's find a new one one. I haven't mentioned recently um, Voci V O C H I I'm gonna say no more. It's just something different Go, oh, come on. I'm, I'm going to have to, when we publish this, I'm going to have to
0: go back and find the links to all of these apps, put them in the descriptions underneath the actual YouTube video and everything. So dig me out. What the hell does what you do?
2: It's, 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 it's a video filming app that puts really, really interesting different effects on it. What it can do is it somehow can do a sort of a, a mask on. So for example, two people, I had a photo of my kids sitting next to each other on the sofa. I did a mask on one of them and then chose one of the effects and she just sort of started glitching fully and then she just completely disappeared. Which is, you know, much as I'd love that to happen to give me a good night's sleep, it was the best, next best thing was using the app to do it. And it was just something different, that's one of the things. All these apps do something sort of individual and different. I had a good example recently where a BBC colleague tweeted two photos showing what Canary Wharf in in London with all the very high skyscrapers looked like um, in the year 2000 and what it looked like last year when he took a photo. I used an app called Before After to sort of put them in position and then do a sort of a slow wipe across so you could see how it had changed. So you have this sort of one trick app that could do that thing very well and then the guy himself used LumaFusion and did a wipe himself and it did much the same thing and so it's one of those things do you have something like LumaFusion and I genuinely aren't I'm not saying this Terry just because you're watching but you do have these apps like LumaFusion that do amazing number of things or do you look for individual apps that could do one thing really very well and it just bish bash bosh and done so example I've got other apps that will do sort of um color bursting so it will take a video and drain all the color but bring a single color back and there are ways to do that in luma fusion using sort of no doubt masking and grading and stuff like that but you know it's uh, yeah. whereas this it's boom done but i guess it, it depends on LumaFusion. But yeah yeah
0: get luma fusion and um, it depends i guess on whether you're going to get to the level of proficiency within luma fusion to be able to do those slightly more advanced effects and things or as you say, whether you just want a quick fix solution and are prepared to drop a couple of bucks on the app, that's what it comes down to.
2: Exactly, and also, there are, there are so many things, I mean, there are so many things that are possible in LumaFusion, and you know apps of that standard, not that are that many, but remembering how to do every single possible option within those apps is actually something of a challenge on the one app on its own. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you have this boom, one task app, you load it up, you do that thing, and then you don't use it again for another three months. But when you do need to use it next, you boom, you load it up and you do it rather yep. than going to something like Loom and going, this thing I haven't done for quite a while. Have they changed the buttons? What does it do? Et cetera.
0: Okay. So, um, we're running out of time, but I am interested because you every year, aside from writing a really in-depth article on the latest version of iOS and everything, you were also one of the few people I know who basically always runs the beta well in advance to yeah. kind of test out all the new features. So if you were not, you know, not preempting what you're going to write in the article, um, top three new features that you like in the next version of ios because i forgot well, I i'm
2: going to show you my favorite feature and yeah. also how it doesn't work which is a bit frustrating oh. on uh, my iphone se 2020 not the early iphone se but the iphone um, se 2020. so mm-hmm. here's my phone mm-hmm. i double tap on the back i double tap on the back and it should there it goes it swaps to Whatever you want it to do, it performs an action by, vir- by virtue of doing a double tap or a treble tap, different action. But unfortunately, for some reason, when I double tap on my SE, it goes to my camera, which I asked it to do, but it goes black. So there's, I flagged it up to Apple, so that's not great. So yeah, this is one of the really clever things, that it's, it's designed as an accessibility option. You can set up a double tap and what's even better about it is it's not like sort of for the newest phones it's any phone so somehow the hardware has always been able to do this but they've only just made it possible so even on the very oldest phones that can run ios 14 you can set up one action by tapping twice on the back of your phone another action by tapping three times so a different action by tapping three times on the back of your phone and you can do whatever well there, there are a number of choices of what it can do but one thing that people don't know so much about and should use more of is something called shortcuts and if you use a shortcut you can then set your phone to do pretty much anything because you tell it double tap run that shortcut treble tap run that shortcut so that goes beyond the apple options so it can almost be anything you know as much as you can sort of think what a shortcut can do you literally double tap on the back and you're good to go so that's been one thing which you know I'm very excited by the possibilities, but it's hard for me to be prescriptive because it can go sort of, you know, so far in, you know, many different directions.
0: You need to basically immediately publish a shortcut, which is Mark Settle's Voice Record Pro Audio Recording Shortcut. So when people are in the middle of a meeting and someone starts getting very aggressive.
2: (laughs) Yeah, just a sorry. Although, of course, the downside of that is if you have the double tap set to do something and, you know, it accidentally happens a bit like sort of your know, pocket dialing but it could be much more than actually pocket dialing so that's one that i think is um, going to be really interesting mm. the next one which i think will or could change the look of an iPhone, is something called widgets. So widgets have been around for a long time on Android devices and of course Windows Phone, they were amazing phones and cameras, but the actual sort of phones are no longer made. But with with widgets on iOS now, you can choose to have a certain amount of information displayed in a rectangle or different sized uh, square somewhere on your screen. So rather than just having Only either a single icon or a folder with lots of icons of apps in there. You have these big windows. In fact, I'll just show you one to see you get the idea of what it looks like. Um, I've taken my own all away. That's handy. Um, And so that it can display information much more visibly, much more usefully than having to go further into your phone to see uh, exactly how it works and what, what you're trying to find out about. Um, the third thing, which I think is gonna be um, very useful, or perhaps, yeah, it, how, I have yet to fully get the, to grips with exactly how useful it's going to be, but I think it, it is a lot of what people will find, is you can actually hide entire screens on your phone and you might think well exactly you might want to make that look although maybe not in your case what it means is that let's say you have five screens of apps and one screen is all your work apps you press a button and then that screen hides it isn't visible anymore
0: so this is means- a specific screen on on the home screen like as you scroll across an entire yeah. panel okay
2: exactly okay. so an entire panel will just sort of be hidden
0: how do you get it back?
2: Oh, but just by going back in your settings and sort of unticking the hide this screen option. So where that might come in handy is, you know, I know it sounds hard to believe, but journalism shouldn't be a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week operation. And so if you hide your work screen with your emails and all your work-related apps from 5 p.m. on a Friday, I know people do shifts where you get the idea, from 5 p.m. on a Friday until 9 am on a Monday, you won't have the temptation to open up your emails, to open up the things related to work because the apps, I mean, obviously, they're still on your phone, but they're just not visible anymore. Mm. And I think in terms of that work-life balance, which we all struggle so much to do these days, particularly when everyone is working from home and there isn't that delineation of getting into the office and then coming home again, I think being able to sort of properly hide apps that you would normally use Monday to Friday, nine to five could actually be you know a really sort of, mental boost to people and um, listen where can
0: people connect with you mark i know you're prolific on twitter shout out the handle
2: oh yes okay if i must um it's mark settled but mark with a c so m-a-r-c s for sugar e-double-t-l-e um and basically that's where i do everything i mean i really really ought to get into instagram but i haven't cracked it i ought to get more into Taktok but I haven't cracked that either you know there are lots of other platforms I could be on but as my wife says I might as well have my iPhone surgically implanted into my arm because that's what I do all the time and most of the time is spent on Twitter so yeah it's pretty much there and also of course on the BBC Academy website also my pinned tweet no not a pinned tweet in my biography I think there's a link to the BBC Academy website with all the uh, copious videos that I've um, recently done.
0: He has a whole series, folks, of uh, how to shoot with your iPhone, or sorry, because they can't say a specific brand. How to shoot with your smartphone. Uh, But I'll actually link them on screen, so you'll be able to to literally click directly on YouTube or hopefully follow the link if you're listening on Anchor, one of the other platforms. Yeah, listen, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. We'll try and get you back on if the podcast continues. (gasps) Mm. Did I say that out loud? Oh, you know, it's episode ten. We don't know what the future holds. We're waiting to see. We're in discussions with our sponsors. We shall see. But if we do get commission for round two, I most definitely will be back to you post launch of next iPhone for your insights and thoughts, if that's okay. If yeah, BBC graciously loan you to us.
2: Well, indeed, yes. That would be very kind of you. I'd like to say how much I've enjoyed the last twenty minutes of my life. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs>
1: I'll be bringing you another incredible guest interview next week. But earlier this week, we put out a call for an AMA ask me anything session on social media, and I thought I'd tackle a few of the great questions that were posed to us. Okay. Let's get into some of these questions. All right. Rob Leach from the UK writes, um, I would like to ask what are your tips for achieving smooth shots with handheld and walking with a gimbal type shots? Loving the podcast. Ah, thanks Rob. Hey, uh, that is a great question. And you know what, there's a lot to unpack with that. So I thought I'd jump out into the world and uh, shoot a little video showing you exactly what it takes to get smooth footage using a gimbal and uh, shooting on handheld. Hey Rob, that's a great question and I'm going to answer that for you right now. I got my son, Oscar, here and he's going to help me show you how to take out that Z-axis wobble that we usually get when we do gimbal footage, but I'm also going to show you how to do it with handheld footage as well. All right? Here we go. All right, Oscar, come on, walk with me. And you can see on the bars in the, in, in the back how they're bobbing up and down, right? that's what it normally looks like okay let's go back what we affectionately call the ninja walk is being able to take your knees bend your knees take your you get your center of gravity a little bit lower and then just walk in a smooth motion right so like a ninja all right oscar here we go ready and action so look at how the lines are not bobbing up and down as much right It's because of the ninja block. So in part one of this, we showed you how to do Uh, the Ninja Walk, and now we're going to show you how to do the T-Rex Ninja Walk. It's a combo thing, you're going to love it, but it's going to show you basically how to use a handheld rig and get the same smooth footage. Hopefully. The trick is to keep your center of gravity low making the camera and the rig an extension of your upper body while keeping your lower body smooth and light. All right, continuing on, um, I got two great questions that are really closely related, so I thought I'd answer them, you know, killing two birds with one stone. But um, one of them comes from Kalliativity uh, in the UK and the other one from uh, Rachel Noel James here in Washington State. Um, Calia writes, uh, what is the best setup for a beginner filmmaker? Um, that's a great question. And then sim- similarly related, uh, uh, can you recommend a DIY equipment starter kit for mobile shooting, is what Rachel asks. Um, well, yes, here are some of the pieces of kit that I think are essential to have for the beginner filmmaker and the DIY filmmaker. Okay, first and foremost, and probably crazy obvious, uh, the phone. Uh, you need a phone. Now, you don't need the brand new, the the latest and greatest phone. I mean, a lot of people make movies and great video on phones that are three four five years old you know so the you don't need the latest and greatest but what you do need uh is a phone that at least shoots 1080p and that is probably 90 percent of the phones uh, out there right now uh, so uh so you're covered uh, when it comes to that now, having a phone like the latest iPhone or the latest Samsung um, that can shoot 8K is great. It's fantastic and it's beautiful and they give such great footage. Um, but is it absolutely necessary to have those things? Absolutely not. Some of the other pieces of gear that you need um, that are essential and, and maybe they're, they're obvious and maybe they're not um, is a clip. You know, this is, this clip is a couple of dollars and uh, a lot of times it just comes with um, with certain little, you know, filmmaking kits. But, you know, a, a clip, a simple spring clip uh, such as this can be uh, be perfect for, for phones. Uh, I prefer to use Beast Grips. Uh, this is Beast Grip, uh, the Beast Grip Pro and this is the Beast Cage. And this Beast Cage goes specifically for my uh, uh, iPhone 11 Pro Max. Um, so that's, that's what I use here. Um, but this beast grip pro is fantastic because it will fit any phone. It's adjustable. You can adjust the the size, you know, to go, uh, you know, longer or shorter. Um, you can adjust depending on where your phone's lenses are because every phone's lenses are in a different place, you know, whether it's in the center or up to one of the sides. Um, and you can adjust, this is highly adjustable and it can fit pretty much any phone out there on the planet at, at the moment. Um, one of the great things about this particular piece of gear is that it has all these quarter twenty adapters, um, uh, sockets rather, and that that you can, you know, attach other pieces of uh, of equipment to. But more importantly, attach it to a tripod, which brings me to my next point: stabilization. Now, you don't need something really expensive. This is a, I don't know. It, 10 20 dollar uh one from amazon i think um this is just a regular tra- uh, tripod you know nothing nothing special about it i particularly like monopods that also act as tripods now this is uh one from sarui i believe um I like this thing. It is uh multifunctional. Uh it's multi-level. I mean this thing, you know, can can go uh almost as tall as I am and I'm 6-1. Um but it also uh you can take it apart and use it as a as a as a low hat, uh a high hat. It's got uh, quarter 20 and 3 eighths, uh adapters on it if you want to use a big uh a fluid head. Um but this is a fantastic piece of gear to have, and it's fairly compact. And this one happens to be made with carbon fiber, so it's fairly light. But um, but you can use this. This is really really versatile, and and I think the more versatile you can be, um, the the better. Sarui happens to be this one, but you know there Manfrotto makes them. Um, uh, the one thing that I would say, if you're going to look for for one, look for one that has a very wide um, base in terms of the 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 foot because some of them have really short ones and that's not as stable this one happens to be a fairly a fairly long foot here and uh, it, it keeps it fairly stable and i love that i do have a very expensive tripod that you know would carry a very very heavy camera um, but you don't need it uh you know i i Got to tell you nine times out of ten i'm taking my monopod another piece of important gear i think uh are lenses you know there are the all these you know kit lenses you know that, that you can get uh well conversion lenses as they're, as they're called um this one happens to be by beast grip and this one by moment um there are numerous brands out there um that are inexpensive ranging all the way to you know quite expensive so um I think it's really important to have uh, because they give a different look and feel than the standard lenses that you have on your phones, which there's nothing wrong with a lot of the new the new phones out there. They have wide, ultra wide telephoto lens. But you can also if you put a telephoto lens on your telephoto lens on your on your phone, you get that extra you know, that extra, you know, reach, but then you also get a little bit more shallow depth of field. So I would say getting conversion lenses is a good thing for sure. Um, if you're shooting outdoors, you need a neutral, neutral density filter. This one happens to be a, uh, a variable ND filter. So if you can see what it's doing, it's like sunglasses for your, for your, uh, for your phone it, It's used in all photography and videography. So uh, this is something that's really important especially if you're shooting outdoors because um, with the sensitivity of some of these uh, phones you're gonna have the wind like a window blow out. see this window is pure white um, but it's actually not I mean it's a it's a blind you know sort of thing and you can see, um what it does to the to the image it, it allows you to to capture more um more information which is also really very very important it's something that i use it's not 100 percent necessary but i think it's really uh interesting to have because it helps with your image quality although it doesn't look like much uh this one it happens to be a, a black pro mist um but i also have a black satin but these actually take some of that video sharpness off when used properly. Um, and with the proper lighting and everything it's, uh, it, it really does give a more, uh, cinematic quality to, to your image. And I think that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Something else that's really, really, truly important is audio. Um, now, that comes in several different forms, as you can imagine. So, uh, this is, a, a mic that you would plug in. It's a shotgun mic. It's very directional. It's, you know, used for like a medium distance, you know, sort of uh, pickup, but these are great, you know, to have, and they're, they can range from incredibly inexpensive, you know, around $40, you know, or so, um, all the way up. If you're, you know, doing interviews, you know, there are just standard uh, lavalier mics, you know, the lapel mic. Uh, even cooler is a wireless lavalier. So this has uh, a, a transmitter uh, with, with the microphone and then the receiver that either uh, clips on to your, your device and plugs in um and that can give you a lot of range you know that this one can go you know almost a couple hundred feet you know before it starts dropping signals so that's actually a really good piece of equipment to have and this one happens to be by uh, comica c-o-m-i-c-a and what i like about this one is that it comes with a receiver, but with two microphones, uh, two units, um, two transmitters, two microphones. Um, and uh, also, something really interesting about these is that not only do they have the lavalier uh, that, that comes with it, but it also has a microphone built in, which is very interesting. So, if you just needed to, you know, clip it on your shirt. You know and just talk directly into it that's fine too something that uh, a lot of people overlook and should not battery power you need battery power having a little battery pack or several of these uh, where you can plug it into your phone and, and charge as you shoot or you know to charge up your uh, your microphones uh, etc when you're out and about uh, really important to have very important. Lighting. You know, LED lights can be inexpensive. Um, they can be also be very expensive, but uh, mostly inexpensive. Very portable. Um, and very, very versatile. Uh, this light stick style uh, by Yongnuo. Uh, $120, $140 US. Um, this one uh, by aperture i don't remember exactly how much one this was but um it's very uh very flexible light um all battery powered and incredibly bright and this is barely on i mean this thing is wow but this thing is incredibly bright as well um, and it's also, again, very, it's battery powered, but you can also, uh, run it off of a DC uh, power adapter. So, you know, those are very good to have. The great thing about these is you can pack a bunch of them in your, uh, in, in your camera bag, which is pretty cool. Having a color checker, I think is really important to have as well. Uh, check out my interview with Richard Lackey, uh, that he did talks about the, the importance of these color checkers. Um, one of the things that is great to have, um, whether you have this or, or just a piece of paper, is to have something that you can get a proper white balance for your for your camera, and this is a great tool for that, but it also has all these color chips. Uh, so when you're doing your, uh, your color correction in, in post, uh, you can have accurate representation of colors. So that is a great thing to have as well. Camera bags. Um, this one is again, it's a, uh, Amazon basics. It's a camera, uh, sling style pouch. Um, it's great. I mean, I, it doesn't fit every piece of gear that I have, but then again, nine times out of 10, I don't need it to fit every piece of, of camera gear I have. I, I've got, uh, big camera cases and, and another backpack and all of that. But for, you know, for the DIY, uh, on the move sort of, uh, filmmaker, uh, videographer, this sort of thing would be great. I mean, you can see that it has multiple pouches and it has, you know, like these zippered, uh, areas where you can, you know, put all your cables and batteries and battery pouches and lenses. And it's even got a little, uh, lens cleaning cloth that's attached to it. Um, but, this is another great piece of gear. And this is a very inexpensive um, uh, piece of gear. Now you can get camera bags and pouches that are hundreds of dollars, you know, but this was, you know, I believe less than 50. You know, I, I don't remember, but it, it's, it's very inexpensive. All right, another question comes from Sophie uh, from the UK as well. She says, uh, what do you think of the Samsung S20 uh, to shoot on? and the samsung s20 is a great phone Uh, it's got great cameras it can shoot it can shoot 8k and you know all those things i i don't know how much use you would necessarily have for 8k footage at this point it is a really good solid uh uh, camera Uh, patishu the westy asks uh, what kind of lights do you need and should you rent or buy them uh, that is an excellent question. Um, so, uh, again, the lighting that I think that you need is just something that you can, you know, get and fit in your, in your, uh, in your camera bag. Um, uh, do you need to rent or buy, you know, it, it really depends on the shoot. Um, if you're trying to shoot uh, something really big, you know, a, a, a like a, like the backyard and you need, you know, to, to light the whole yard. And, um, if you're, you know, trying to light a scene with like three point lighting, but it needs to be incredibly, you know, uh, incredibly big, um, uh, uh incredibly big set, you know, then, you know, chances are, you're going to want, you know, some bigger, uh, some bigger units to buy. And now there are units that you can buy on Amazon, um, a three, a three kit, Light, uh, light package for you know two, three, four hundred, five hundred dollars, you know, six hundred. You, you can, you know, go up as far as you want. Um, that are you know, big LEDs, much bigger than this one, um, like a one foot by one foot, and it's like three lights and stands and you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you can get that for a couple hundred bucks and and uh, and be good for quite a while. Um, in terms of renting, you know, renting is something that you usually do on bigger shows, you know, where you're going to need a truck full of lights, you know, um, where you're, you know, you're lighting multiple scenes in multiple ways and having, you know, very specific lighting, but your general, your, your general three point lighting, where you have a key light, a fill light, and a hair light or a kicker, um, you know, that you can probably get away with for most scenes, you can get away with, you know, a a couple hundred dollar light kit. Um, but you know, something like this, you know, it kicks out a lot of light, you know, so that may be all you need, but renting, you know, sure. Uh, but then you're, you're getting into, you know, uh, needing to get insurance and, and all of these things, you know, that you, that you, probably don't want to have to go down if you're just trying to do an interview or if you're just trying to do, um, you know, uh, uh, just a, a small set or something like that. You know, something like, you know, one of these guys or one of the light sticks that I, that I showed more than sufficient. Kalia from Caliativity Productions, uh, asked another great question. She says, uh, what's your favorite, uh, editing tool? Um, my favorite mobile editing tool is lumafusion of course not just because they are uh, the wonderful uh, sponsors of this show but I was actually using the product before I became uh, you know tied in with, uh, with with lumafusion. It has all of the tools that and a professional editor needs um, but it also which is something that I think is brilliant integrates with other, uh, software packages, you know, like Final Cut, Adobe DaVinci, uh, etc. So, um, so you can use it uh, as a standalone editor, and it is full-featured. I, 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 I will say that it's a full-featured editor um or you can work it as an offline uh editors uh, editing system meaning that you can edit on the ipad and then send it over to um, another software package for for finishing um that's that's brilliant and then with the flexibility um, of the frame io integration it takes the, uh, the editing experience up to another level, you know, so they, uh, Luma fusion, uh, Luma touch the company that created, uh, Luma fusion, they have managed to plus the software every time. Um, so, uh, get your hands on it and, uh, and, and use it because it really is brilliant. Now it is, um, for iOS devices, you know, uh, currently, but, uh, but, if you are an, on an iOS device, it is magnificent. There, there are so many um, uh, apps out there. The most important thing is to grab something that you feel comfortable with and and start working. Uh, there is another question that uh, that Rachel Noel James uh, asked, and uh, she was asking about how to avoid noise when shooting in low light on your on your mobile phone. Um, that one is. Its own video, uh, you know. As a matter of fact, I will take that up on, on another video because um, there are a lot of different lighting techniques and, and camera techniques, and and a lot of it has to do with you know the hardware they're using, the software they're using, the lighting. Um, that one, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cover that one for you, Rachel. I'm gonna get to that one, uh, but I'm gonna get to that one in in, in another episode. But that's a big big question all right guys well hopefully that answered some of your questions i look forward to getting more because the more questions you ask the more questions i can answer um and i'm always looking to answer questions uh, about mobile filmmaking filmmaking in general but mobile filmmaking especially um Uh, you can always look us up on the website. You can hit me up on my personal social media, or you can hit us up, uh, Glenn and I both on the, uh, mobile creator podcast, uh, social media sites. But, uh, yeah, that's all for now.
0: So back in episode eight, we announced a competition to give away eight Licenses for LumaFusion from our sponsor LumaTouch. <clears throat> and week nine, last week, we had two winners who managed to fulfill the somewhat arduous criteria to enter into the competition. So for this week, we decided to relax the competitive process somewhat. I'm choosing my words semi carefully. So basically, what we did is we agreed last week that anyone who subscribed to us on Twitter, Instagram, or to our actual channel, our website channel, and um, would then be eligible to be entered into a kind of a randomised draw for one of the remaining six licenses. And between the two of us, we've gone through that list of uh, our current subscribers and people who've subscribed in the last two weeks, and we've pulled out some names. So to begin with. I'm not going to give the whole email address away, but I will give the usernames away. So our users, Zuladance and TanKT, you'll be getting emails to say, congratulations, you have the option of a LumaFusion license or a SanDisk drive, whichever one you want. You may already own LumaFusion and may not need another license, but it's there for the taken if you do. Uh, On Twitter, we picked Badass Photo Ninja, looks like a really cool account, and Oh, i'm going to struggle to say this one but Sally Coloon? Mm-hmm. sorry if i'm offending anyone by those horrible pronunciations but anyway um both of you followed us recently on twitter so we'll be dming you uh to let you know that you won your licenses and then on instagram mary mary w and monty davis were the two winners randomly selected from recent followers on instagram so congratulations all of you you're joining dragujun and mojo meeting as one of the eight uh lucky winners to take away like i say either a Lumafusion license or as i showed back in week seven i think it was now uh one of these so long ago so drive feels so long ago doesn't it time flies but anyway um so that's that that concludes the uh the Lumafusion giveaway i'll put everyone yeah
1: we should have wonderful
0: Congratulations. <laughs> um, but well done. That's good. We'll put your names up on the website as well, just for reference. Uh, and if you want to get in contact with us via DM, uh, because you've heard your name on the podcast but somehow missed our message, it's gone into spam or whatever it is, uh, by all means, do reach out. But we'll try and get that done uh, by Monday at the latest. Now, in other news, so when we kind of, you know, the background to the podcast is that the Mobile Creator Summit happened in, in April and May. No, May and June. People and me. Like it was. It was a couple of months ago, and Seems like uh, forever
1: ago, actually,
0: I, it like a lifetime ago, thanks to COVID. But I interviewed Courtney as one of our guests, and the two of us definitely kind of sparked off it, and got chatting offline after the the summit and everything, and hence the the idea. Of the podcast was kind of born. But one thing that we didn't do, and as it's episode ten, and it's kind of a landmark show, if you will, is um, we never really talked to you, the audience, about who the hell we are. We kind of, we dove headlong in way back in episode one, gave you a little bit about what we'd like to do with the podcast, talked about projects and things, but we never explained who we are, though obviously, you know, we might have revealed bits of that story over the last 10 episodes, but nonetheless, wanted to take the opportunity on this show, on our 10th episode, to do a tiny little bit about who the hell we are and, and what I suppose we hopefully bring to the party. Because... As you will have heard earlier, Courtney has done a really, really cool AMA on mobile filmmaking because that really is his specialism. And in many ways, I'm drawing on his expertise for, for my novice approach to filmmaking. Um, but my background obviously is also in, in mobile, but from a different discipline, if you will. So to begin, I'm going to throw a few questions at Courtney and let him tell his story a little bit. So first of all, way back when little Courtney, what got you into the filmmaking thing? Was it a family background or what's the story?
1: Absolutely not. Um, no, we we didn't know anybody in in the entertainment industry. Um, I kind of fell into the the, the business in, in in a lot of different ways. You know, some some people uh, fall into it, and some people you know uh, are pulled into it. You know, via family and all that. But we didn't we didn't know anybody in, in the in the business. So, um, no, I uh, I thought I was going to be a chef, um, and I you know was i I was working you know uh, sort of in this restaurant and then the sister of a uh, of a of a well-known actor you know came was coming into the restaurant that i was uh that that i was working at um and uh they were like hey you know you're a big guy you want to come and you know you can be a grip you know, I was like, okay, sure. Well, great. What's a grip, <laughs> you know? So, um, I, I, did that, worked my way onto a few other sets, you know, and, uh, the, this is the, the very, very short version. Um, uh, worked my way onto onto a few sets and because i was a big guy you know i i went from you know being a pa to uh to a grip and back and forth but then i kind of stuck with the grip thing um and funny enough i was working on a project with um uh with richard crudo uh who is uh, uh i guess business partners with sal uh Masamini. um uh he was one of my the first uh, directors of photography that i that i worked with um the crew uh, i was i was a grip on this crew but the the crew the rest of the crew left they were like hey we're gonna go work on this other movie you're the key grip now and i was like but i don't even know the name of all the equipment (laughs) you know so there was a big truck full of equipment i had no idea what it was um not not really you know and so uh so we're like yeah don't worry about it you know the the gaffer there you know he'll he'll take care of you and and you know richie um uh you know he was a sweetheart he you know he uh he, he he led me you know by the hand through the whole process and and i became a key grip for uh for 12 years um then Nine. Uh, then I was working on a music video for Aliyah, the the singer Aliyah. We were in the Bahamas, and uh, her plane crashed uh, uh, during that. Um, I was the cue grip on that uh, particular project, and uh, uh, then a few weeks later, nine eleven happened, um, and then so I kind of thought, well, before the world blows itself up, uh, maybe I should, you know, go and do this creative side that I that I felt bubbling up in me. And so I started shooting and editing a lot. Um, and, you know, did a feature film and some television and some music videos and, um, and then more feature films. And here we are, that's kind of like the short, the short crazy version of it
0: <laughs> you just condensed 25 years into 2 minutes and 44 seconds that's pretty impressive gordon if yeah, you don't mind yeah yeah
1: that's, that's that's that,
0: the, that, that is done a amazing degree though I'm fair um I, I, so here's an interesting somewhat pointed but an interesting question because it's something i posed to some of the guests on the summit it's something i've been asked quite a bit so I, I don't have a i don't have a master's degree or a doctorate or any of that sort of stuff i did i did made three years in college but it was in art no s no you know no i, I was a sculptor type stuff right, um, right. and i often get asked like you know well why didn't you decide to pursue academia and for me it was well because i kind of just wanted to get into it rather than right. to someone else's theory about what it would be like if i did get into it right. and that's why i did uh, it sounds like you were motivated exactly the same way do it rather than learn from someone else about how you should do it
1: and, and i've always been that way um <clears throat> i you know when i was learning to swim as a as a as a kid you know i had um swimming lessons and i couldn't learn from the guy that you know, that that i was taking swimming lessons from because he was trying to you know show me how to do the the strokes and all that kind of stuff and i was like no just show me you know just show me how to do it you know and 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 then i'll i'll pick it up and um and I, I couldn't learn from the guy and I, I, we ended up stopped taking lessons with him. But then, you know, we had a pool at, at, at my house, um, in, in, you know, growing up in, in California, my cousins were swimming laps back and forth and I just watched them. And then I jumped in and just started doing what they did, you know? So it really was, you know, I, I learned through osmosis, you know, sort of a thing. And I've always been that way. So. Mm,
0: it's interesting. I see. Um, I, I did a, a course with BBC back in 20, oh, 2006. It was, I know for a fact, Uh, and uh, it was a train the trainer course to teach you to become someone to teach other people to be trainers. I specifically remember this thing that they had this theory of the four different learning styles, and they used to joke about you you got IKEA in the
1: US, right? Yeah, IKEA. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. just second. The the other mothership is is (laughs) like we have Costco and and IKEA. Where those those are the two motherships that we have. (laughs)
0: Well, so the theory is uh, which type of individual are you based on what you do when you buy stuff in Ikea, right? So there are the people, it's, it, and it's a great metaphor. There are the people who will buy a box from Ikea and just basically sit in their hands and go, I just need someone else to do it because I can't do it. Okay. They're right. kind of the defeatists as an, I can't do it. I've, I've, I've set myself a limit. I know I can't do it, so I'm not going to even try. I'm just going to get someone else to do it. And then there are the people who are, are uh, bullish. And I think we share this trait in a big way, which is we just kind of plow on in. It's ah, f- we'll, we'll figure it out as we do it. Right. So That's we right. don't even, I don't know if this is true of you, but I don't even usually read the instructions until delete a roadblock. So I'll just kind of go. Instructions. Oh, that, exactly. Or and what, um, so that's the second one, the kind of bullish, as in you learn as you go, you just bloody do it, and you overcome obstacles on the fly. And um, then the, the third category that I remember, which are the type of people who basically want to research the BJs out of it before they'll even attempt it. It's like they, they literally need to not only methodically check that every component part is there and cross-check it with the actual list and everything on the instructions, but then they'll want to see examples of other people who've done it as well. Right. So like seriously methodical and won't take risks until they're 100% confident that they covered all the bases and everything. And I forgot what the hell the fourth one is, but it's something on the lines of really having to be convinced by peers that it can be done before they'll try. So they'd, right. they'd be the people who would buy the box and then spend two hours on YouTube watching 25 different videos of how to build this thing before they'd even open the box. Does that make right. sense? Right. Yeah, absolutely. The two of us i think are because we're also both tauruses if there's any zodiac interested people we are both very close together birthday wise and i think we're both very very headstrong and determined that way and i think that definitely i would say also looking at my career is a a trait that helps you to get places
1: yes some would say that we learn things the hard way um (laughs) but but we learn them you know and uh and and i i think that we we tend to go a little deeper than some other people, you know, in, in terms of, you know, the, the our knowledge on, on things, you know, so, um, no, I'm, I'm just, uh, it, you know, you've, you've been that way, uh, you know, your, your whole life I'm assuming. And I've been that, that way, you know, with everything, you know, I, I learn, um, I learn by doing, um, I remember it uh, better and, uh, and I retain, you know, just a lot of crazy you know, knowledge, because of that yeah i guess it, it's and i think also because of my dyslexia i also i i take time to memorize certain things a little bit better uh i i don't know if that if that has anything to do with it as well but, really interesting yeah. really interesting
0: yeah. okay so so you classic classic tale of kind of worked your way up through all the different grades basically to get where you are i mean the, the hard slog and um, i i had a a dalliance, for want of a better word, with film production way back in the day. And I may have mentioned this in a podcast before, so I don't go into it all over again. But sure, sure. definitely, the, 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 I was part of a, a team that were PA to locations originally, then involved in the grip for a very short length of time. Uh, but then bowed out to, because I got a job that paid me three times as much. And I was like, eh, you know, those 16 hours in the it's in rain in the west of Ireland was lovely and everything and a wonderful team of people. I cannot say this enough. Every single person on that team went on to do phenomenal things within the Irish film industry. So, in many ways, maybe I should have stayed put. Um, but at the same time, there definitely is this familial group feeling on a movie set that I've never encountered in any other job. Right. Absolutely. Comment. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. No. That that is. It, it is. It, it is a family for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah.
0: Sure. I, I mean, as with all families, of course. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so so that's when, good. when, when you got your when you got your start, did you know, uh, a particular direction uh, that you were going to go in because you you started off as a grip working on, or, you know, kind of, you know, touching on in the grip department working on a movie, but then you ended up doing the mojo route? How how did that transition happen? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, when I was okay, so tiny
0: just snippet of a backstory. So my father uh, was a, an engineer, Uh, a technical engineer in a telecoms company. But he was one of these people who was a real gadget freak. Like, you know, like I'm 47, so we're going way back. But he 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 always had cameras. Like he was big into photography. He was a phenomenal artist in his own right. And I guess as a kid, I was always exposed to new gear. Like we had the very first Beta Max deck in Waterford, for instance, at the time. I remember I people come over to the house just to look at this massive hulk of a machine. Okay. Um, and equally, he had one of the first uh, off shoulder camcorders that could record on Super VHS with the deck hanging off the side on the strap and all that crap. So I mean, I had access to gear as a kid that nobody even saw or knew about it. and i was out shooting weddings when i was 18. I, I had this bug from being a teenager that i want to work in television but i applied to every single course in the country and i didn't get accepted for any of them um, hence how i ended up and ended up in art college by uh, you know it was my eighth choice on my on my form but that's that's a background story to tell you that like i knew from when i was like 13 14 that i wanted to work in tv and to to kind of tie that into the whole taurus determination thing I was prepared to do pretty much anything to get in. So I couldn't do the academic route because the courses for whatever reason, just wouldn't accept me. Um, And I just decided the hard slog is the only way to get there and just jumping between five or six jobs that were absolute serendipity, that job, as a key grip was definitely one of them because the people that I met on that job, like the likes of, I, I, I'll mention names, they'll mean nothing to you, but they might mean names to some people in Ireland. So Celine Curtin, who was the unit production manager on that movie I was on. Celine has gone on to be like a chief lecturer in, in, uh, one of the big universities in Ireland on, on media production um, and, and, others that were on that team as well. Columba Hennigan, the lighting guy, like he, to this day, I, I, revere the man. He was phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. Columba Hennigan yeah, amazing guy. Um, but it, it was just, it's the people that you meet along the way and the connections that you make and just, you know, it, when those bonds form in this industry in particular, when those bonds form, like they, they're, they're really quite elastic, but they really right. do stand the test of time. That's been my experience of it. So, I mean, I, I got into TV by chance. Uh, I was hired out of a university, basically. I was a technical engineer in a university and got hired out of that. And I, but I ended up going into the broadcast engineering side. So even though I'd been an artist I didn't really get into the production side. I didn't get in the front door. I got in the back door. Um, and I did several years as a broadcast engineer, but still with a thirst and a hunger for for actual production. So I trained up as cameraman through a back door, trained up as an editor through the back door, because uh, I was already in there building the machines or fixing the machines. So it, was, it makes sense to be able to sit down and actually use the bloody thing. And that that's the backstory. I was teaching people on the back of that BBC course. I was teaching people to shoot and edit for RTE. And um, on one of those courses, I had an iPhone and I had an iPad and the students were all out shooting with their six, 7,000 euro cameras. And, uh, I just started filming stuff and hacked together a cable to so plug a mic in and blah, blah, blah. And I remember just thinking, damn, every single time we do these courses, no matter where in Europe it is, the one thing that comes back at the end of every course is the students will say, ah, oh, it's great course. I love the time, blah, blah, blah. Problem is when I go back to my station, we don't have these cameras, so I'm not going to be able to put this into practice. It happened great. all the time. Sure. Um, and. Yeah. And with the phone, it was like, well, damn, <laughs> they're going to have these for bloody sure. They're going to have these. And you can just kind of see it's not, it's not a big math. One plus one, boom. This could be a solution to, you know, diversifying content creation in the newsroom. And that was me yeah. you know, off on that journey. And the rest, as they say, is history.
1: Wow. Wow! That's awesome. That's awesome. I, 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 I really wish that, uh, that everybody could, you know take this i mean you know our route was not for everybody you know i i was lucky enough to uh, deliver the commencement speech for uh the seattle film institute this past weekend um and uh, that was really nice and i think one of the you know because i didn't go to film school but i think one of the things that i want people to take away from it and i actually have it up there on my on my board is that uh you don't need permission to create your vision right so nice that is the just grab your camera and go do it attitude that you and I kind of, you know, sort of live by. Um, and, you know, no matter which route you take, whether it's film school, you know, or, or just, you know, DIY, the most important thing is go and create something. Just yeah. go
0: out and do it. Do it.
1: Do it. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I'm,
0: I, I, almost every guest that I think I had on the summit, I asked them for what was that one nugget that you would impart to people? Basically, you know what what was the key to your success, and what would you pass on to someone now? And so many of them just said, like, realize right now that look plays a phenomenally big part in your okay. fate. Whether you like to accept that or not, I'm afraid it does. Yeah. But the second part is is that um, it, that person is not going to come knocking on your door sitting there waiting for the knock is a complete waste of time. Get up off your ass and go out and just start doing things. Even if they're tiny and you don't even choose to share them with people at the start, just bloody do it. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Don't, don't wait. Hollywood is not coming for you because they don't know you. They don't, they, they're not, uh, they, they, they don't know who you are yet. If that's the way, the way you want to go, if you want to go the Hollywood route, that's, that's fantastic. But, um, but right now we have such an opportunity uh mobile uh, dslrs you know some of the you know lesser expensive uh, cinema cameras out there are giving people an opportunity to go out and do anything that they can possibly imagine right so uh you don't need permission again you don't need permission to create your vision so if if anybody can can walk away you know with, with that you know emblazoned in their in, in their brains That is the absolute truth. Go out and make whatever it is you feel like you want to make. Hollywood's not going anywhere. Or maybe they are.
0: Well, no, let's not go down there. That's a whole other rabbit hole. Let's save that for episode 20. Uh, (laughs) The the other day, I saw a a kind of a – I don't know if he does these normally, but Peter McKinnon did a behind-the-scenes kind of a a, a, – how can you describe it? It's like he took a recent short film that he did about this uh, musical composer in Iceland and um, and he just he just unpacked the the edit like unpacked the opening sequence all the different shots that he did how the sound score was everything and it was you know what honestly like i, I watched quite a few hours of youtube content every week to be honest sure, um sure, sure. quite a bit of it would be casey Neistat on occasion um but this one from McKinnon really blew me away I honestly kind of was engrossed in it yeah. and i definitely think that um as we hopefully as we hopefully get closer to production on, on our pieces that we'll have the opportunity to kind of share that process with people to the same extent you know to, to, to allow them to kind of witness the protest the hi- process the highs and the lows of it and um, right. so that they get some sense of the stuff that you can expect to encounter when you go well, forward
1: uh, honestly that is one of the main reasons why i've started made on mobile tv um was to show people like, you know, kind of lifting the curtain, going behind the scenes on all of it, showing the whole process from beginning to end, you know, uh, so that's going to be launching soon. So, you know, just kind of stay tuned for that. But I mean, that is literally what what I want to do is to show people that taking this camera, you know, uh, that is your phone and going out and shooting something can look uh, look and be as good as, you know, some of the Hollywood, you know, productions. I mean, you know, obviously it's going to look a little different, whether you're shooting on an, an Alexa or red or, 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 your phone. Sure. But you know, the story is King. That is, that is the main thing. So um, yeah. So that, that's why I want to do that because I, uh, again, I believe that mobile is ready for prime time. And so I want to show people that they can get out of their own way you know because oh i don't have this red camera i don't have this alexa or i don't have you know whatever a7s mark blah 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 you know who who cares you have a phone you know you, you've got a light bulb you know somewhere on a in a lamp somewhere go out and shoot something
0: <coughs> excuse me as proven i think to a certain extent by the piece um when i talked to michael corbell last week the zacuto revenge of the great camera shootout yes. just just you know if you didn't go and look at it just go and look at that series because yes. the message for me i know the, and i'm sure they got into lots of trouble with the cinematographers and ascs of the world and everything but the message basically was like, if the best of the best can't tell the difference between a seventy thousand camera and an iphone or okay i'm i'm, I'm taking liberties with that but sure, within sure. reason sure. um then you know you you have no excuse like you have the tool in your pocket and and yeah. Let, let's give them the shout out. Ten episodes and, and the summit and everything else they brought to the both the filmmaking communities and to the journalism communities of the last decade. And both Filmic and LumaFusion have been key enablers in that whole process.
1: Absolutely. You know? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, it, you know, all of these things are tools, you know, um, you know, Red, Alexa, uh, iPhone, uh, Filmic, Luma, uh, LumaFusion, excuse me um you know they're they're all tools you know storytelling tools you know so no matter what you're using uh the 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 point is you need to be using something and going out and doing this because you know there there's a dearth of of, of content out there right now you know the studios as of this point the studios are still running around with their hair on fire because you know they either can't get up up to speed shooting whereas a lot of the independents can, you know, or, you know, they, they're, they're just not, they're, they're, they're just not able to make the type of content that, um, that can, let me, let me, let me go back a little bit. Um, there, there, there's literally not enough content to feed everybody right now. And that's, that's one of the things that I want people to really think about is just write something, anything, go out and shoot and put it up, whether it's on YouTube, your own website, you know, Instagram, who, who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, there literally there's, uh, there, there's a place for your content and there's, uh, there, there's somebody who wants to watch it you know, so, um, you know, Glenn and I, you know, Glenn mentioned that he watches a lot of YouTube. We, I do too, you know, I, you know, Peter McKinnon, I love Peter McKinnon, Maddie Hapoya, you know, all those guys, you know, they, they do great work. Um, film riot, you know, they, they, they do incredible work. So, um, but, uh, the, the point is again, not to belabor it, but, you know, get your camera, get your phone, go shoot. And on that bombshell,
0: uh, we'll wrap up episode 10. Um, So we're we're hoping to plow on with more episodes of the Mobile Creator Podcast. As always, we'll wrap the show by saying we'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can connect with us on Twitter and on Instagram. You can subscribe on the actual uh, website. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. There's lots of ways to connect with the two of us. On screen right now are both of our individual uh, social media handles. If you want to reach out to us for a chat directly, by all means, please do. Again, as always, we're looking for inspiration and ideas and topics that you'd like to hear as we go forward with the podcast. So please do reach out. We'd very much appreciate it. And thanks for sticking with us for the 10 episodes so far. It's been a blast. Learned a hell of a lot along the way. So much so. Are you getting this? I'm getting people contacting me going, really like the podcast. How do you do it? (laughs) I'm like, oh, dude, let me just show you the selection of microphones I've tried and blah, blah, blah. yeah. Um, maybe, maybe there's a money spinner there for the two of us doing. How to make a podcast podcast. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um it's been fun. Really enjoyed the 10 so far. So here's to the next ten. Um anyway, on that bombshell. Until next week. Bye for now.
1: Bye for now.
0: Creator Podcast is sponsored by Filmic Pro and Luma Touch.